Hey guys, this is Georgia with Ancient Aliens, and you're listening to That One Time I Was Abducted by Aliens with Jamie and Bree. You're listening to That One Time I Was Abducted by Aliens. I'm Jamie. I'm Bree, and we're two sides of the coin. So this is our second episode in our Spooktober series. And tonight, we're talking about ancient Halloween traditions. Yo, where does it come from? Why do we do it? Why do we eat candy? Why do we bob for apples? Why do we Halloween? For scares? (laughs) (laughs) For the spooks! Creep it real, it's for the spooks. (laughs) (laughs) All right, where does Halloween begin? It really originates with the Celts. Halloween traces back to the ancient Celtic festival of Samhain. The Celts celebrate their new year on November 1st and believe that the night before, the portal between the world of the living and the dead is opened, allowing the dead to return to Earth. It's really the end of summer, which is, I believe, what Samhain means. It means summer's end. And it's really a time where life, literally, like their crops were alive, and now they're dying. They're going into winter. And so that's why they thought of it as death, because not only are their crops dying, but really back in the day, in winter times, people really did die. It was really tough back then, and they had to survive off of what they had from their harvest before. Well, yeah, you have to remember that the life expectancy of a person was like no more than like 30-something years. And when it's frigid and you don't have any more food, people are getting sick. I mean, it was a tough time. I keep thinking about Game of Thrones, like winter is coming. And that's how I feel like it must have been, you <laughs> mm-hmm. know, towards the end of summer. It's like winter is coming. So it's really the the time where the veil is the thinnest between life and death. Well, and there's this notion, you know, with all of these festivals where you are supposed to be making some type of sacrifice or doing some type of ritual in order to get through it every year. And you have to do it perfectly and right or else death is going to come between everyone and all of us. Exactly. Steve didn't make it to the Selwyn Festival and Steve died third weekend to winter. Exactly. And now we don't have any more cows. Ooh, yeah, they would burn cows mm-hmm. and horses mm-hmm. right on top of a bonfire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me and Bree were actually, we we're kind of going back and forth about who, who decided that sacrificing things yeah. was like the way to go. Who spread the rumor? Yeah, like who woke up one morning and he was like, you know what? If we don't want it to snow, I bet if we killed a horse and like, <laughs> I don't know, bathe in its blood... I think we'd be all okay. And and I get it. They're like all of the fruits that we received from the gods of the earth. We have to give something back of our own. But really, when I think of animals and stuff, I don't necessarily think of it as being separate from earth and nature. I kind of feel like everything's all together. So I don't really understand that part. Yeah, I'm going to have to say that I don't understand the whole sacrificing thing either, which I guess would make me like a bad... um, Pagan? No, because pagans don't necessarily always but sacrifice things. But let's say this was a pagan tradition. Yes, In absolutely. these days, they were all pagans, which are not Satanists whatsoever. People really need to understand that it's about honoring nature. It has nothing to do with getting all dark and deep. Pagan in general is about honoring nature. Well, yeah, you guys have to think back. So pagans were kind of the original, if you want to say religion, I guess. And they worshipped nature, trees and 
animals and plants and water and all the things that the earth can give you. And then when the Christians came around and they were like, no, we only worship God and Jesus, they really took that pagan religion and tried to turn it into their devil worshipers and they're not doing good things and they're not doing things in Jesus's name. And so I think that's where kind of the pagans really got like that shit kind of wrapped on him. Yeah, that they're a bunch of devil worshipers because they just did something differently than what the other people were doing. So what else were kind of the things that they were doing during this Samhain tradition? The biggest thing I'd have to say is this is really where we get bonfires at, why a lot of people have bonfires at Halloween. This big bonfire that they have, they would actually, like Brie was saying, they would be burning animals inside of them and crops as a sacrifice. And they really kind of found it as a way to bring in that new year and light up the veil that was going down between the two worlds. And I think this is kind of where bats and owls start to get introduced because you have this giant fire, so you're attracting insects. Mm -hmm. So you're also attracting bats and owls, so you would see them kind of flying around. It was really this mystical moment. They would dress up in costumes, or guises, as they would say, to disguise themselves as from who they usually are in their everyday life, from these ghosts or these spirits that's walking around that could possibly haunt them. Yeah, so during the Samhain festival, it's said that you know, the veil is thin so that the the dead and the undead kind of walk together. And a lot of these people were really terrified to go out at night because they didn't want to run into these ghostly figures. They started dressing up and wearing, you know, deer skins and costumes, you could kind of say, to mask themselves, to make them blend in with all of those spirits that were walking the earth. It was also a time where the Druids, the Celtic priests at the time, they would be able to pray for these souls. They would also foresee people's futures. They would sit down and tell them their future and their fortune throughout the year. I think that's a really interesting thing that they did because I don't really see that too much in this time. That's definitely something I don't see kind of weaving through our modern time is us kind of foreseeing people's futures during our Halloween celebrations. Yeah, I'll say that Halloween through most of time up until pretty much it hit America was very spiritual driven and was very mystical Mm -hmm. and very spooky. And I think when it came to America and it got really commercialized, it really changed what it is that we celebrate Halloween today as. One of my favorite Halloween traditions that no one ever does anymore, but I think that we should. And I'm just like obsessed with the story about how it became what it is. Did you ever go bobbing for Applesbury? No, and I never will. It freaks me out to think about putting my head submerged in water and trying to grasp at apples. This was something that was done back like in the Roman times. So what was the Roman god's name, Brie? Pomona, and this was really the same time that the Celts were celebrating Samhain, they were celebrating Pomona, and that was the celebration of their harvest. And Pomona was the goddess of garden and fruits. Really, just around the same time, instead of just honoring kind of the death and into winter, they're honoring the harvest that they've had, and they would set out apples as an offering to Pomona for the bountiful crops and flourishes that they had for the season. Yeah, and another thing that Pomona was the god of was fertility. Ooh. Ooh. So you had these apples, that's her symbol, and she's this, you know, very fruitful, fertile god that they have that's going to be giving new life and new crops into the world. So what they would do is they would play a game of bobbing for apples. Now there's a few different ways that they played it, and I can't really pin down exactly what it is, but one of the ways what they would do is you'd go bobbing for apples, and the first person who was able to bite one (laughs) 
was the person who ended up getting married that next year. Oh, wow. So <laughs> Exactly. Or another way they did it is all the girls would mark their apples in a certain way and then have the boys bob for them. And whichever apple you got was the girl that you were going to marry. Oh, scandalous. Halloween is kind of very rooted in love, which I guess a lot of people really wouldn't understand. But these festivals like Samhain or the Pomona Festival, you know, these are people who are kind of like nomads. They don't necessarily have like neighbors. Everyone's on these big giant lands and stuff like that. So you're not necessarily running into people all the time. So when you had this big giant harvest festival where everyone was coming from, you know, hundreds of miles away to all to go over all these rituals and do all of these things, you saw all these people. So it was a big opportunity for the community to get to know each other and for younger people to actually do find mates. I can see that. It's like a mixer. It was definitely, it was a mixer. So as spooky as Halloween is, and as much as they were terrified of ghosts and bats, at the same time, they were all trying to get a little action. It's really interesting, too, because I believe it was 50 BC where the Romans really started to conquer most of Europe. Mm -hmm. So then you can kind of see how these two different cultures and their traditions around the same time start to intertwine with each other and they start to blend. And you have not only the honoring of the dead in the coming winter, but also the honoring and appreciation of the harvest that you've had. It's all around the same time. Yeah, one thing I will say that a lot of people don't understand is Halloween doesn't really necessarily come from one solid place or one solid person or idea. It really is a combination of pretty much every religion in the world, their sort of fall time ritual that they would have going on. It all kind of gets meshed into one to make what Halloween is today. It's a bit of a timeline and then a me- it's a meshing along mm-hmm. with a timeline and now we're here. It really wasn't until the Christians started to try to not necessarily run out the pagans, but I mean, that's really convert what they were them. doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really was. Yeah. They were trying to convert the pagans. They, they were, were like, trying they to... were like, believe in Jesus or die. Pick your pick your side. Yeah. They were like, listen, we can't have both here. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until the 8th century where Pope Gregory III was like, okay, check it out. If we can't necessarily push them into just doing our straight Christian way, then we're going to create something that is Christian and kind of merge it with how they're already celebrating this other holiday. So then they introduced... All Saints Day. And this was also during the time of Samhain, which would be November 1st, really. So a hallow was also a saint. And so then it became Hallow's Eve, mm-hmm. Hallow's Evening. And then you can kind of see the trajectory of it eventually being called Halloween. But then it wasn't until later, it was the 10th century when the pagans still weren't listening or they didn't necessarily convert the way that they wanted them to. They thought, okay, we have to introduce a second thing then so then we're still honoring the dead and that became All Souls Day. Which is November 2nd. Which is November 2nd. And that's when they would honor the passing. So you have November 1st, Hollow's Eve to commemorate the saints. And Mm -hmm. then you have November 2nd, All Souls Day, which is just to honor all souls that have passed throughout the year. When you think back to Halloween, kind of in the ancient times, when you go back to the Samhain period, you know, they weren't necessarily really celebrating death by any means. It wasn't kind of like in the forefront. And I think when Halloween really became about the dead was right around the time when the Christians decided to start celebrating All Saints and All Souls Day, I think is where that really kind of turned 
where the holiday became primarily about nothing but celebrating the dead. The Celts had sort of a balance. It was still honoring the dead and disguising, but it was also just more of a celebration. But because they still had that little bit of thread of honoring the dead and they still continued to honor that tradition, the Christians were like, we have to make this more of a Christ-based type of tradition. We can't keep letting them just do whatever the hell they want, so let's create something that's more Christian-based. It's almost like their way of subtly changing what the traditions were about, making it their own. Yeah, absolutely. We could talk a little bit about, you know, this kind of even goes into trick-or-treating because trick-or-treating originally had nothing to do with getting candy from places. What it had to do is like the poor people would be knocking on doors at this time and asking for basically donations. Do you have any spare food? Do you have anything? And in exchange, I'll pray for whatever souls you want me to mm-hmm. pray for on All Saints Day. I'll spend all day in the church praying, but please, could you just help me with something to eat now? It was soul cakes. And mm-hmm. there were like these little cakes with fruits and nuts. It's funny that now we eat such sugary sweets, but then, I mean, they were begging for this little cake with like little bits of nuts in it. And we would never eat a fruit cake these days, guys. No, I don't. I think if someone went trick-or-treating and they got a little cake and they're like, it's a soul cake, <laughs> they'd be like, what the hell? They'd probably just throw it back at the person in their door, you know? Exactly. But it's interesting to think about that it was really those poor people out there like going souling, begging for things in return of praying for the souls of their loved ones. Absolutely. I think that's a lot cooler than normal trick-or-treating because, I mean, what are they doing? Really, we're just giving away free candy. We're not getting anything in return. I mean, maybe this year we should start to bring some of these traditions back and ask them to pray for one of our dead relatives. When Halloween came over to America in the beginning, this is, you know, back like in the early, we're talking, you know, early 1900s here. The night before Halloween, the 31st, was kind of considered a mischief day. People were out there being very mischievous and they weren't being like a good mischievous. They were being like a really inappropriate. A bunch of assholes. They were, yeah, they were being a bunch of assholes. Then they would do things like tear out all the fire hydrants, you know, and so water was going. Like it was not good. It wasn't like today where you like TP or egg somebody's house. No, not at all. No, it was like some fucked up shit they were doing. They were throwing soaps on tracks and so trains were like derailing. They Uh were taking parts and wheels off of people's little buggies. I mean, people were actually getting hurt. This Mm -hmm. was like fucked up. This is not like you're saying how modern times, it's like a silly prank. This was not that whatsoever. This is harming people. These are like little bratty kids running around just causing mayhem. So there was a lady who kind of single-handedly was like, look, I don't like what's going on on all Halloween's night. I don't like these fucking mischievous ass teenagers. (laughs) Do you think maybe if I bribe them, they won't do it? And so the next year, she held the first kind of like Halloween party at her house where she invited all the kids from the neighborhood to come enjoy some punch and have some snacks and hang out. And then all of a sudden, they weren't doing fucked up shit anymore. There's probably some really shitty kid like, come on, let's go out there and throw the racks in the window. And little Kenny's like, but I'm having my cake and tea. I don't want to leave. And then before you know it, I mean, who wants to leave? They're probably hungry. Exactly. They're like, it's nice, cozy house. I get free food. This lady's real nice. I don't need to go fuck shit up tonight. So the word kind of gets around town that this is going to be the new Halloween thing. So as Halloween kind of goes on for the next few years, it's they have these little parties and all of a sudden big stores kind of pick up. 
And they're like, yo, 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 we could be making some money off of this shit. They're like, listen, we'll sell candy, we'll sell treats, we'll sell decorations, and you know what? We'll sell, for the first time ever, Halloween costumes. If you look at the photos of the first kind of Halloween costumes that people were making, these were things from home. Yeah, they're all homemade. They looked fucking scary. Mm -hmm. This is really when Halloween costumes start to evolve to something so commercialized that it's really not that scary. Everything kind of looks alike. If you look back in these pictures, it's interesting to see how the original costumes that these people made from scratch really were so much better quality, in my opinion, than they are now. They're one of a kind, and they're freaking scary. Some of them are honestly scary. Well, so the first Halloween costumes that were sold were actually all made out of paper. They weren't even fabric or anything like that. And the company who started making them was having a hard time because no one was buying them. And they looked in the newspaper and realized that people's Halloween costumes were lighting on fire. (laughs) Because they were paper, and there was a bunch of jack-o'-lanterns with flame in them, and oh my god, everyone's costumes went up in fire. And so that kind of turned into kind of trick-or-treating today. So instead of kids going out begging for snacks or doing mischievous things, they go knocking on door-to-door in their bright, colorful costumes, and we give them candy basically to shut them up. It works now. I can understand it working then. And you know what's cool, too, is, you know, the phrase trick-or-treat? A lot of people think that that goes back really, really far. (laughs) It was like 1907 when somebody came up with trick-or-treat. Because they're like, what am I going to do? Am I going to fuck up your house right now, or are you just going to give me candy? Trick-or-treat! Exactly. Because if you don't have the treat, here comes the trick. While we're on this kind of subject of costumes, might I just say, you called it something. What did they used to call it? Guising. Didn't that kind of start like in the Middle Ages, I believe? Yep, way back in the day-day. While we're talking about, you know, trick-or-treating, one of the things you see every Halloween, I think on every doorstep and on every decoration would be the Mm jack-o'-lantern. It's a really interesting story how it all began. Ancient Halloween legend. So there's ancient Halloween folklore about a guy named Stingy Jack. Have you heard this one, Bree? Stingy Jack was kind of like the town drunk. And he would go around drinking his booze, being kind of an asshole to everybody. One day, he was sitting out by a tree, and he was drinking, and he stumbled upon the devil. And the devil was like, yo, Jack, what you doing here? You want to play a game? Let's hang out. You want to play a game? It's exactly. So Stingy Jack, being a little little trickster, a little drunk, tricked the devil into going up a tree. And once the devil got up the tree, he drew a cross on the tree and trapped the devil into the tree. Damn. Damn, right? What a stupid ass Satan. I know, Satan, as we all know, is not the smartest man in the world. Surprisingly. Um, Yeah, You, you would think after all the years and all the souls he's taken. Creating the sin of mankind and he can not figure that one out? He just gets put up a tree and stuck up there like a cat or something. Like, call the fire department. I need help. Please get me down. I mean, how did he even get him up there? Like, hey, hey, Satan, I think there's a cat up there. Do you think he'd get it for me? And he's like, oh, yeah, poor cat. I mean, maybe. Maybe he was like, hey, Satan, there's a pair of sweet tits up there. You want to take a look? And then Satan was just like, yeah, buddy, I can't wait to see that shit. Or he's like, go get my cat, and I will sacrifice cats for you later. (laughs) Regardless of how Satan got up in the tree, Stingy Jack got Satan up in the tree. Satan wanted to come down, and he's like pleading with Jack. He's like, Jack, anything. I'll give you whatever you want. My family is very rich. You can have anything you want in the world. And so dumb drunk Jack, you know what he says? He goes, psh, all right, when I die, you're not allowed to let me go to hell. You cannot take my soul. I'll let you out of this tree, but you can never have my soul. And the devil's like, that's fine, that's fine, Jack. I won't I won't take your soul, I won't take it. Let's the devil out of the tree. Jack lives the rest of his life. 
as a drunk, <laughs> the town idiot, and he's not like the greatest guy in the world. So finally, Jack dies one day. Not anything spectacular. He didn't like get murdered. He just died. He just didn't wake up one day. Alcohol poisoning. There you go. Maybe let's let's say alcohol poisoning just for shits and giggles. And he tries to go to heaven and he's like knocking on the gate and he's like, Jesus, <laughs> Jesus, buddy, you awake? Is anyone home? Can I come in? God gets out of bed and he's like, yo, 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 yo. Jack, you are not a good person. There's no way I'm letting you into heaven. You just spent every day drinking. You were rude to people. Did you know one time you trapped Satan in a tree? Huh, he's like, like, you played the devil. Like, I'm not even a big Satan fan, but like, that was kind of fucked up, dude. You just put him in a tree like that and wouldn't let him down. That's fucking horrible. Jack's like, oh, fuck, man. So I can't go to heaven? He's like, no, you better go visit your friend Satan down in hell. So Jack makes his way down to fucking hell. Sure as shit, Satan's there. Satan's like, no, nah, I don't want none of your bullshit in here. <laughs> I don't want none of your shit. You already tricked me in a tree. I'm not gonna have you trick me anymore. And I already told you I don't want your, your goddamn soul, so get the fuck out of here. And he picks up a piece of coal and flicks it at Jack. Jack catches it. Ooh. Jack puts it inside of a turnip, and he spends the rest of his ghostly life wondering the world between heaven and hell with nothing but a turnip to light his way. Horrible. So purgatory is more of a waiting room, and Jack is said to roam Earth. Ew. He's not heaven or hell. He's just, he's stuck here on earth in his ghostly form with his turnip. And the reason this kind of <laughs> ties into, I know. And the reason this kind of goes into Halloween is because this story was kind of told during the Samhain time. Around the campfire? Around the campfire, exactly. It was a campfire tale. They changed his name from Stingy Jack to Jack O'Lantern because he had a little lantern made out of a turnip. And what would happen is during this time is kids would carve turnips into jack-o'-lanterns and use them to walk around at night during Halloween. Us in America, who don't like anything small, decided, <laughs> fuck your teeny purple turnip. We gonna go crazy big with pumpkins, guys. So they just like picked pumpkins as the jack-o'-lantern and that's why we have them now. Plus, I feel like it would be harder to carve a turnip and it's so small. They're like, no, we need something easier to carve and it's bigger. I can make Jack look like an idiot, or I can make Jack look really happy. So, can we carve turnips this year with our pumpkins? Oh, God. Can we? I mean, I guess, why not? She had to really, really think about it, and she just couldn't say yes for the sake of saying yes. She's like, oh, God, do I want to commit to this in any way, shape, or form? I mean, I feel like it would be really difficult. It would be. Like a small steak knife or like a toothpick and a little a back of a spoon to like tit, 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 tit. <laughs> what if we just find really big turnips? Hmm. Like what if we go to a farm and we'll just be like, hey, I know right now you have hella turnips, but you don't have anything to do with them because, you know, pumpkins took over and everything. But I know that you're pulling out hella turnips. Can I have your biggest turnips for a low, low price? And they'd be like, fuck yeah, because we don't know what to do with all these turnips because ever since you guys decided to start using pumpkins, I just have all these turnips to waste. Maybe if we can get them on the low, low. Get them on the low, low. So then that's kind of where they start to pull in this ancient thing and make it more modern. Mm -hmm. When we start to carve these jack-o'-lanterns into our pumpkins, which like you said, on every doorstep and all of the decorations, everybody does it. I don't think I'll ever stop doing it. It's one of the best parts of modern day Halloween that I enjoy. What the hell am I gonna do on my pumpkin this year? I think that the pumpkin part of Halloween has really exploded especially in the past few years where everything is pumpkin spice flavored. Blech. I know, and it makes both of us want to like scoop our eyeballs out with a rusty spork, but <laughs> it's interesting how this fruit that we really never ever did anything with, mm -mm. and it's become this huge thing now where you would never imagine a hundred years ago trying to go somewhere and like 
go to a pumpkin patch. Like, they'd be so yeah. crazy. They'd be like, why? why? What a weird fruit. We don't use that. That's, oh. It's just not even tasty. It is, though. It's so tasty. Well, that was pre-PSL days. That is pre-PSL, guys. You know, another one of my really favorite kind of Halloween superstitions that I was really curious about was black cats. I love black cats. Do you really? I really do. I think they're really pretty. Did you know that there's a lot of places like around the world where Halloween time, if you go to like an animal shelter, they won't let you buy a black cat? You know why? Because some people are very evil and they mm -hmm. want to fuck the cat up. They mm -hmm. want to kill the cat. Mm -hmm. They want to do sacrifices. So a lot of... Um, Again with the damn sacrifice. I know. But yeah, a lot of shelters and stuff like that actually for the safety of the cats will not during the fall time, let people buy black cats. Good. I agree. So black cats and kind of their spookiness also date back to those middle ages. These cats kind of got the symbol to be associated with the devil. And the reason being is because cats were kind of always around witches, quote unquote witches, because witches aren't really witches when we're talking about the middle ages. The way that the Catholic church kind of painted these really empowered women, these pagans that, you know, witches. Anything that's not of Jesus is the devil. Exactly. And a lot of these kind of people had cats. You have to also remember that they live out in the middle of nowhere and this is a lot of farmland. So of course they're going to have animals like cats because they kill mice and they basically live outside. It's the middle ages and there's not any electricity. I know. That's so ridiculous. It became known that because they kept seeing all these people who were, you know, quote, witches around cats, it was assumed that cats were a witch's familiar. It's interesting to see that if you're kind of this single, empowered, paganistic woman that they painted you to be this evil witch and because you had a broom because you were probably cleaning your kitchen and you had these cats because like you said they're mousers they're going after mice they're cleaning up the barn that they really painted this picture of them to be these devilistic hags just wreaking havoc wherever they went this really <laughs> nothing good comes from old Helga in the corner back there with the two cats and the broom exactly and then that kind of brings us as to witches in general when it comes to Halloween. You know, witches weren't really technically ever really associated with Halloween until you really bring it over here to America where it was like, ooh, witches do things like magic and are spooky and they have black cats. You know what? Halloween. Let's stick them right in there with Halloween. They kind of see it as a, a devilistic type of thing. They're mm -hmm. just kind of mixing all of the unseen kind of ghostly magic, all of these things together. It really creates the perfect environment, in my opinion, for Spookytober. Do you know where they got the Halloween colors from? Where? Black, they associate that with death. And orange is because autumn. Makes sense to me. You go outside for your Samhain tradition here, you've got a bonfire and it's pitch black outside. You've got black orange and orange and, and black. <laughs> yeah, sounds great to me. I like it. Very straightforward. Is there anything about Halloween that you don't like? Oh God. <laughs> yeah. Brie, is there is there anything about Halloween that you just can't fucking stand? I can't fucking stand candy corn. Oh my God, me either. I can't stand the look of it. I don't know what it is. I mean, the colors are cool, but for some reason when I see it pressed into that not sharp triangle and I think of the taste and the texture, it just grosses me out. Did you know originally that candy was made back in the 18th? 1980s, and do you want to know what it was originally called? What? Chicken feed. Oh, because well, it that looks makes sense. like chicken feed. It does. And you want to know the catchphrase for it? What? Something worth crowing about. Oh, that's genius. Something worth crowing about. Mm hmm. 
Oh God, I love that. Well, and then what happened, you know, is a company bought the original company that made candy corn and they looked at the colors and they were like, oh, you know what? This kind of looks a little Halloween-y and this isn't something that we sell too much of. I bet if we associate it with Halloween, we'll sell a shit ton more. Oh God, and it's everywhere. And it's everywhere now. One thing that I wish that we kind of did now, I want to say this is around the 1800s, kind of the same way how we talked before of it was really a time where they would kind of match make people. You had, you know, the mingling of people. Mm -hmm. The bobbing for apples and seeing who's kind of going to pair up with each other. They Mm -hmm. used to do a lot of that. And even with the bobbing for apples, they used to peel an apple and toss the rind over their shoulders, kind of slide down their back. And then the way that the movement, the shape of the rind would tell what the initial of their soon-to-be husband would be. Yes, and the only way that they could do this is if they peeled an apple in one swoop. Like so they hard. Yeah, they couldn't break it. You actually have to sit there with the knife and slowly try to peel it in one giant spiral without it breaking and then you were able to throw it. If you did it with breaking the apple skin, you would never get married. Throughout this timeline, this was kind of something they always did, try to read each other's futures. Mm-hmm. I think I mentioned earlier in the podcast, it's not something that we do anymore. I don't see that anywhere mm-hmm. these times, in our current times. I don't see any form of that whatsoever. Brie, if you had to take all of the Halloween traditions in the world, could you tell me what your favorite one is today that you couldn't not do every Halloween? Oh shit, I have two. Okay, give me both of them then, that's fine. One would be watching Halloween movies. Mm -hmm. I could never not do that. And the other one is carving my pumpkin. I think you have to carve your pumpkin and you have to leave that jack-o'-lantern outside and you better not blow that candle out. You better leave that throughout the night. I still kind of carry that tradition on of kind of honoring the dead in that way. There Mm -hmm. is a spooky thing about Halloween. I Mm -hmm. think it's forever stained into all types of cultures, really Mm -hmm. honoring that. And I still think that we should try to do things like set our dinner table for our loved ones that have passed. I haven't done that before. I'd like to try to do that this year. But I definitely think leaving the candlelit in your jack-o'-lantern and having that carved needs to be done every Halloween. Yeah, I will have to say my favorite thing about Halloween, hands down without a doubt, is coming over to your house and we all decorate pumpkins together. It's like my favorite thing. You know, I'm a big fan of like anything that brings family together to do stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, like I love Christmas, but what I hate about it is the commercial present part of it. And what I love about it is just being able to spend time with family. So what I love about Halloween is all of us sitting around a table with our elbows deep into pumpkin guts and just laughing and having fun and like trying to hide what we're doing from each other so we can all surprise each other what it is of what we've done and you know feeling so proud of and how accomplished we are and just that those good memories and those feelings I think is what really is my favorite part of Halloween. I think that's an excellent point. It's not needing it to be about what I'm giving you and what you're giving me. Just kind of the tradition of the festivities that we have going on for that day is so rewarding on its own. Mm -hmm. It's honoring the dead or just waiting for your trick-or-treaters or watching scary movies, carving your jack-o'-lanterns. You're doing all these things together as a family. And even if it's not your blood family, you create your own family. So for me, it's, yeah, it's having you over. It's having friends over and creating those things and those traditions that you continue on in your own way. It's the most exciting time of the year. I always say October is my favorite month of the year. Halloween is my favorite holiday. My birthday is in October. And my birthday's not even in October. And, and October's still my favorite <laughs> Halloween. Hollow, <laughs> hollow day. 
<laughs> it's still my favorite month. I love being a little spooky too though, so that's probably why. Why don't you guys tell us your traditions, what you guys have, you know? Maybe you guys do some of the same things that we do and it would be cool to know that we all do that same stuff. Absolutely. I'd also like to throw in there that I definitely wanna try to bring back some of these ancient ways into modern time. I wanna bring it back more. I think that things have changed so much that We've lost so much sight on what it really is about. It's so commercialized. I think it'd be fun to bring some of those ancient themes into current day. Absolutely. So we don't have a factor sci-fi or a conscious quote of the day, but I have a better idea. What? In honor of Two Schmucks and a Mic, I think we need to do a top five Halloween movie. Ooh, that's so on the cuff. Isn't it? Yeah, it okay. is. Do you want to go first? Or do you want me to? Okay, off the top of my head. Oh, Jesus. Top five. Number five would be Halloween Town. Mm -hmm. Number four, Practical Magic. Mm -hmm. Number three, Hocus Pocus. Mm -hmm. Number four, Halloween. I don't want to specify. Do I have to specify? Mm -hmm. I'm just going to say Halloween in general. Yeah. All the Halloween All the films home, yeah. is a must watch. Okay. My number one favorite Halloween movie of all time is Trick or Treat. Okay, that's not bad. I'll do my top five. Okay. Number five would be Halloween Town as well, uh, which we watched most of together the other night until we realized it was nine o'clock and it was past our bedtime. <laughs> I would do The Sixth Sense. Sixth Sense is such a shitty movie. It's, I loved it. It's such a good Halloween movie, though. Ugh, it's nothing to do with Halloween. Here's the thing, what I love about Sixth Sense. I only love it going back and watching it because you can actually appreciate all the things that were going on in the movie that you didn't understand before. Maybe. Like, when you first watch the movie, you genuinely think him and his wife are, like, about to get a divorce. And you're, oh, like, worried you're so about confused. him. Yeah, you're, yeah. like, worried. You're, like, how did this, like, what? And then you realize he's just been dead. That's why I like that movie, because I think it makes you go back and think about, like, that. What makes it Halloween-y to me is because, you know, ghosties. But I'm going to say it six senses. Ghosties. Yeah. Number three would have to be, I'm, I'm going to put a new one on there because I thought it was really good. The Conjuring. The Conjuring's super good. Super fucking good. I'm going to have and to throw it on there. And I think The Conjuring 2 ha might be better. I can't remember. But I think just those two out of all of them, they're the best. Yeah. So The Conjuring would be my number three. Number two would be Beetlejuice. And number one is Hocus Pocus, hands down, without a doubt. Small PSA, in case anybody who works for Netflix is listening. Why the fuck? Why don't you have Hocus Pocus on Netflix? Why don't you have Halloween on Netflix? None of the Halloween movies are on there. Why don't you have Beetlejuice? Why don't you have Matilda? Like, there's so many Halloween movies that you guys are fucking hating on. And every time I try to call Netflix, it won't let me talk to them. Ugh. I called when I was at work with Brie looking next to me, and it was like, sorry, there's a really long wait time. Call back later. And then it hung up on me, and I was like, but I need to know about fucking Hocus Pocus. Can I just say, yeah. why do you associate Matilda with Halloween? Just because she does magic? Because she does magic, yeah. I believe it's on Amazon Prime. It is, I know. Okay. Uh, don't worry, I'll, we'll watch them all. I have an entire list of like 50 movies that I will get through before Halloween happens. And and I'm about a third of the way done with the list as of right now. I still just feel like all the Halloween movies are a must you have to watch. And that was actually the first scary movie that ever associated Halloween. Halloween. He, it was the number it one. It was the number one, yeah. It actually didn't really have anything to do with Halloween. Mm -hmm. And he was like, you know what? There's this untapped holiday that no one has anything to do with. And it's kind of has these spooky vibes. Genius. Let's do it. And it really kind of what put, I think, mainstream horror on the map. 
Me too. Was that movie? I think it's genius, and I'll never not. I'll never not love it. I think it's AMC. They run Halloween Marathon like till one in the morning, till even two, three in the morning the next day. I will stay up by myself and watch it, and it's not creepy to me. I just I love it. I love the vibes of it all. I know. And I can't wait for the new Halloween to come out on October nineteenth. I was just gonna say so. This episode will be coming out close to that, so we'll have to talk about it in the next episode, how much we loved it. Most likely. Because I believe we're going the day that it opens, as Brie told me. We need to eat your tickets. She aggressively grabbed my leg and was like, we're going. I told Josh he had to take me. And he's such a good husband, because yesterday he, when he came home, he like handed me his phone, and I looked at it, and it was like a screenshot of our seats. So we what? need to go get you yeah, your have ticket. To give him my, wow, Josh didn't even think about me. Yeah, he got the tickets, and maybe I told him, though, how you said I'm you sad. don't do movies. I'm sad that you didn't think about the third leg of your tripod and you just left me <laughs> hanging. You should assume I was going to come with you. I asked him something about it and he's like, "There, no one else bought any seats. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm the only one that's us. like straight pre-ordered this shit. Like who does that? Well, we do. All right, Brie, let's get right into our shout outs. Let's start off with Jan, who's at our skeptic level from the good, the bad, and the just plain standard podcast. Then we can get into our truth seekers, Shayna, Jamie's mom. Hey, Mama. Destiny at Destiny from Space. Simon at Outroversion and from Reddit. Then we're going to jump over to a made-up category that is the skeptical truth seeker, which is Adam. Hey, Adam. Adam is on a super cool podcast called Not For Everyone, and he hosts a love line down in Texas at kzsm.org if you guys want to listen. I believe, actually, as we're recording right now, he's actually technically on the air because he was messaging me earlier, like, do you want to do call-ins tonight? You can call in. And I was like, no, I'm busy. That would be fun, though. But me and Brie will call in soon. Don't worry. That sounds like a really good time. Then let's get into our middle bitches. Raya. Hey, Raya. Scotty at Scotty Doodle and Bobby, who's the co-host of Not For Everyone podcast with Adam. You can find him at Pinball Bobby or at Not For Everyone podcast on Instagram. Then we're going to go into our second made-up category, Skeptical Middle Bitch, over onto the bottom side of the world. Hey, AB. Hey, AB at Weather Traditions. And then we're going to get into our last, but not least, Anything Is Possible. Hey, Matt. Hey, Matt. And I want to throw in there, congratulations to Cody and Kayla on birthing their child the other day. He is an avid listener of this podcast. I understand if he doesn't get to listen to us anymore, but also maybe the baby will fall asleep faster from our lovely voices and very interesting, spooky information. If you ever feel like your baby can't sleep and you want me and Bree to write her a lullaby, we will. It'll be filled with aliens and um, maybe like some werewolves and a Bigfoot, but we will sing her a beautiful song about space if you would like. Then she could grow up super cool. That's what I'm saying. We need more super cool children in the world. So we're just putting it out there. If you want us to make a custom song for your child, lullaby her to sleep at night, we do have pretty voices. Like, oh yeah. (laughs) Thank you guys so much for tuning in tonight. We love you all so much. Love you dearly. Have a great week. Yeah, we're excited about the next episode. We won't tell you what it's about. No spoilers. And before we go, I just want to say, fuck you, Mountain View, California. Trick or treat. Motherfucker. Thank mm-hmm. you.